Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. So Josh, what are we tackling today? I mean, I, I could say it, I guess, but I really want to have just hear from you. Uh, so this is kind of the coaching, actual being with client week. And we're looking at, I'm just going to give the first one. I'll let you give the second one, uh, which is okay. what's going to happen during, what happens during the first meeting? What should I do during my actual first meeting with a client? Not the sales meeting, but we've signed the contract. They paid me. Now I got to do something of value for them. Yep. And if we have time, I know I was a little ambitious by saying we'll tackle two questions. So we'll see if we get to the second one. That second one is how long should I make my program or engagement with my clients? Because that one's come up a lot as well. And this is the second most upvoted question. So let's tackle that first one. And what should my initial meeting with my client look like? And we actually probably want to start even before, mm -hmm. you know, that initial meeting, right? Yeah. So when, when you're thinking about anything with regard to a process with a client, there are three things you always want to think about. Okay? And they're all three very, very specific to your client. So in a second, Garrett and I are going to share what we do in our first meetings. We'll also share what we know some other people do in their first meetings. And this is not, oh, I like that one. That's the one I'm going to do. Don't do it that way. What is right to do in your first meeting with a client is number one, going to be very, very specific to your client. And what is right for me is not going to be right for you if we have a different ideal client. The things that you have to think about beforehand is w when your client first starts with you, meaning all they've done is heard a sales pitch and signed a piece of paper. There is no, at this point, there is no work that you've done. So your ideal client, when they come to you, where are they? Because that is really going to define what that first meeting is like. If your ideal client is going through a divorce, probably the best first meeting is not going to be, all right, let's sit down and just start going through paperwork yeah. because that's not where they are, right? If on the other hand, your ideal client is type A, total want to get things done and they're hiring you because they want to have someone who is going to be their accountability partner and their guide in driving something forward. Oh my God, they might be super excited about going through paperwork, right? Yeah. So really think about where are they and what is their need? 
what what is the reason why they're reaching out to you and this is going to be very different depending on the client and it's one of the reasons why you don't want to have 15 different ideal clients because it means that you have 15 different meetings and you have no idea what you're doing in any one of them yeah um, the second thing you want to think about is at the end of this meeting honestly what are your expectations and what are their expectations to know what are we going to have at the end of this meeting? What is the result of this first meeting? And that is going to have a huge impact on what you do in that first meeting. And then the third thing, and those of you who are good at detective work probably know where this is going because I just talked about the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present. So this is going to be the ghost of Christmas future, which is what is your next steps in your, in your overall coaching process? And what does this meeting need to set up to make those next steps possible, especially the very next meeting. Those are the three things that you need to think about when designing your first meeting. Right. Expectations so, was so, yeah. uh, just to hit on a couple things, expectations are so very important so that you know what is coming next. I think that you can articulate that to yeah. the client and be able to say, Right, kind of speaking to ghost of Christmas future, like if you can set the expectation for what's going to happen in that meeting, then the next logical step is setting the expectation for what comes next. And that also helps to make sure that you can meet those expectations. So to mm -hmm. understand the person's expectations ahead of time, can you meet them? Or do they perhaps have expectations that you are going to sit down like put together a budget, put together a plan, right? have a tool for them that they're going to start using and do 13 different things in those first 90 minutes or two hours. Right. Because that really sets you both up for failure. Mm -hmm. And when setting those expectations, you can then also then get a sense of how much information and what information can uh, do I need to get ahead of time? What can I ask them to do ahead of time? Yeah. For example, gathering certain numbers or details. Is there anything that you can kind of walk them through either via email or send them a video mm -hmm. walkthrough to do ahead of time to make that session more valuable? And I'll talk about this kind of in how my process works, but that's why I think the expectation piece is so important because it really does touch on past, present, or kind of before the meeting, during the meeting and after the meeting. Yeah. Because um, to set those expectations, you really have to know all three. Yeah. And hopefully you'll start to see a theme in all of these lives, which is it depends. And it depends specifically on having a strategic niche, not yeah. a description of a person I'd like to help. Right. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, it does. I will say if you do the more general you are, and if you say, I'm just going to help you with putting a budget together. Right, helping save and maybe pay down debt, there is the possibility that your process can work for a larger group of people. How, this doesn't get into the fact that it can then be harder to attract those types of people. Right. Um, and if they have anything that deviates from that generality, that then you may not be able to meet that specific need, right? Yeah. Um, which can be an issue. But, but it's good because there's no deviation with humans. So... You're such a sarcastic oh, little bug. I appreciate you. Um, 
Cool. So That's all why I wanted you to give, hit on. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why don't you, you give said, what yours so. is like? I'll give what mine is like. We can talk about a few other people as well. Awesome. Yeah. So in terms of what my initial session looks like, to, to start with what happens ahead of time. So there are a couple of, well, let's see, there is a form that I gather or a form that I send ahead of time that has specific information to help me gather. So uh, it's going to say, is it important to go into every detail? I'll give some of them. All right. So it says, Hey, are you renting or do you own your house? Did you get a tax refund? Did you not looking at different types of, um, do you have insurance or do you not? I'm not the person who handles it, but it's important to know, okay, just do you have this kind of coverage? And mm -hmm. for a referral partner standpoint, do I need to connect you with anyone? It's just helpful to know in advance. Um, other, in terms of more of the numbers data, that's something that I have them input into a spreadsheet that I give them. Uh, this is actually something that I would love to make uh, easier on myself by implementing like a financial coaching or planning software. Um, this is something that Josh and I are talking about for Financial Coaches Network and implementing down the road as part of our tech stack. But for now, having them input that information, net worth, income, expenses into a spreadsheet. And for both of those, I just give some walkthrough videos. So I've really been enjoying using Loom, L-O-O-M, mm -hmm. which is a easy browser extension. And it allows you to just quickly do a screen grab. It can have like your face in the corner and then just recording the screen. And I do a walkthrough of, okay, here's how to fill out this form, kind of the top questions that I get. And here's how to fill out this spreadsheet. Here, addressing kind of the top challenges that I know people face. And that helps for a couple of reasons. Um, people then, um, when they see me over video and they have someone walking through it, they could just pause the video, do the work, restart the video. It's not a very long email, right? So if I had to put all of that in an email, it could be really, really long. And my particular ideal client really likes to be walked through and kind of have their hand held. And um, it also makes sure that we can hit the ground running in that first meeting and not kind of be like, okay, can you fill in cell D12 and then D13? And there are going to be those types of questions, but we can get about 80 plus percent of them done ahead of time. Wow. I gave a lot before the meeting, so I'll try and uh, speed this one up. Uh, yes. Just had someone ask, will Loom work with Chrome? It does. Mm -hmm. And you can also download it as a desktop app. So I don't think they have a Firefox extension, which is what I use, but I just have their desktop application and it works really great. Uh, in the meeting itself, so just like uh, when they jump on, kind of welcome, right? Like, hi, you're here acknowledging them for saying yes to this process, pumping them up, getting excited for them, setting kind of the expectation. A lot of the people who I work with, um, they're kind of nervous to get started, excited, but they haven't been good at money for a while, most of their lives. So just kind of letting them know that this is going to take some time and let's leave shame and guilt and blame kind of at the door mm -hmm. and um, go over some general expectations you know, that they signed in their contract. Just sometimes people sign contracts and don't read them all the way through. So they're just saying, hey, here are a couple of points that I want to make sure that you're aware of for canceling meetings, you know, how many sessions you have, um, 
And then what are some of the other things? I have these in my notes, which would probably be helpful to, uh, to check. And then some questions, go over some of the questions that they filled out in their form, such as what are, um, what's your expectation for this initial meeting? You know, mm-hmm. what are your, what needs to happen so that this process, you know, my four month process is deemed a success and that you get everything out of it that you want and then kind of pivot into, okay, what are the numbers that you gave me? Here are the things that I highlight and have questions about and kind of dive in and do that. Um, I used to start with goals, now do numbers more so in the first session, kind of give mm-hmm. goals as a homework. Uh, and that usually takes up about 90 minutes or so. Um, I went a little bit faster because I realized I've been talking for about five minutes straight. So Josh, your turn. <laughs> Uh, mine will be a little bit faster. Uh, <laughs> prior to, there is no homework. I don't gather any information. Uh, and that is completely intentional. Uh, my ideal client is a business owner. They tend to be very busy. And they tend to never like walking into a meeting feeling unprepared. And so what happens is when I give them, here's a worksheet that I want you to fill out, it takes four months for the meeting to get scheduled. (laughs) Got it. And so for me, it literally is, here's the meeting, schedule the meeting. Once the, all you need to do, there's nothing you have to have for the meeting. Don't bring any paperwork. This first meeting is really going to be talking about your goals. And it's setting the stage of, you know, we're going to be talking about some really complicated stuff. And if when we're looking at a multi-tiered incentive stock option execution plan integrated with a tax planning strategy, blah, 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 it could get real easy that all that technical stuff, you know, we kind of forget that you actually want to do things in your life. And so we're going to focus on that in the beginning. And just and a, a clarification for... I'm a financial advisor, who... not a financial coach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Just making sure that's out there. Yeah. Um, and so that, 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 that's what that first meeting is really designed to do is, is help me to make sure that I am grounded in what they care about because the work that a financial coach does constantly comes back to their goals, right? Yep. The work that I do can very easily deviate from goals as it goes more and more technical and advanced. And as a result, I want to make sure that first meeting is really grounding us in their goals. Um, Once they schedule the meeting, then they get a Excel worksheet that basically says, throw down some estimates. (laughs) I don't want a listing of all your accounts, just in total, what would you guess is the amount in your cash? They still add everything up penny by penny, but you know, it's taking the pressure off. And then they send that to me um, after the meeting's already been scheduled. Half the time I'll look at it for the meeting, half the time I won't, because that's not what we're talking about in the meeting. Uh, The reason why I do that, and because I have a financial planning software that walks them through hooking everything up and getting exact numbers and everything else. But people don't always enter the data or who put everything into the financial planning software that they'll put into a spreadsheet. And so I have that spreadsheet mostly to be able to check, 
there's something missing from the financial planning software. Um, so as we think about financial planning software, having that is not a panacea that fixes all sicknesses. Right? Good point. Um, and then I close the meeting with walking them through the financial planning software so that they know, okay, this is what it looks like. This is what the process is going to look like. We don't go through the entire process of setting things up, but I point out some key screens of this is how we're really going to track your success. This graph here. You click on this, this is going to show you how, uh, how you're going to connect accounts, right? And I'll show them the two ways to connect accounts. And then I'll pay, spend a lot of time talking about the digital vault because nothing gets emailed to me. Everything gets put into that digital vault for liability purposes. Right? Yeah. That kind of uh, because I'm into... dealing with them sending me their tax returns and things like that. Right. And... And I was going to ask, you can pivot to this now or wait, but how um, you give follow-up for people and kind of what that process looks like for communicating like, you know, ghost of Christmas future. What does that look like towards the end of your meeting? So the, that communication actually happens during my initial sales call. And in my initial sales call, I... So have already sent them my roadmap, which is the standardized process that I'm going to take people through. Cool. And they know that this meeting is just focused on goals. The next meeting that we're definitely going to have, because there's, a, there's an optional tech support meeting in between, but the next meeting that we're definitely going to have is going to be a presentation of their financial foundation plan, what I call their financial foundation plan which is basically looking at where they currently are, right? So their net worth statement, their cash flow analysis, recommendations, different things like that. And so when I close it out, setting the expectations of what's coming next is I tell them, all right, so that's a financial planning platform. You get that, that thing filled out. Let me know when you're done with it. And two to three weeks later, we'll be doing that uh, financial foundation presentation, right? And then I say, at that point, then we'll decide, are we going to do the retirement plan next? Or are we going to do the estate plan next? Or I say to them, I already know that we're going to do the estate plan next because you have young children and you said one of your goals is we don't have a will. So guess what? All bets are off. We are not doing the retirement plan. The estate plan comes first, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and so really it's, it's more for me, it's more about reminding them of what the next step is because we've already gone over it. However, if you haven't gone over it in detail yet, which is perfectly fine, then it's a matter of, okay, let's sit down and talk about what the next steps are going to be in more detail. And that's perfectly fine as well. What I like from what you shared is the idea of sending them something in advance of that first meeting. I mean, even for you, it's before they even become clients, that roadmap that gives them a, yeah. paints that picture of here is what this process is going to look like. It, it doesn't mean that it has to go A, B, C, D, E, F, or right. the world crumbles, right? What you said is, I mean, you even kind of joke like, hey, humans are unique and yeah. therefore it's hard to have a one size fits all process. And therefore the more that you learn about their situation and you better understand their needs and goals, 
you can move the different puzzle pieces around depending. Yeah. But the fact that you've established an expectation of here's what the processes look like, I, I like that you do that before you can sign them as a client so that they truly do know what they're getting into. And yeah. then they yeah. just have that uh, going back to the word of expectation, right? Mm-hmm. Of yeah. what it's going to look like and how they're being walked through that path. Yeah. And everyone who is going through launch, well, everyone in the first cohort, the second cohort hasn't gotten there yet, probably was not surprised by that because they've seen my onboarding flowchart when we talked about how to put together your financial coaching process. And they're probably thinking, oh my God, that walkthrough is probably ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that flowchart was, I'll find it uh, maybe uh, at some point and post it in the group and just have it be like people's eyes melt yeah. how many different steps there are. But yeah. you don't have to do that. As a new coach, I know there are a couple of people here who shared, you know, I'm newer to financial coaching. It doesn't have to be insanely technical. It can be very basic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's something that I think most, I can't say this with full certainty, but just through my observation that a majority of coaches don't send something like that ahead of time. And right. so even if it's still pretty basic um, as a, you know, showing people what your program or process is, that can be really powerful. So it doesn't have to be super fancy. And the one I send to my clients is, is basic. Yeah. There's a difference between the marketing piece and the operations piece. And yeah. <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah. And so that's, that's my initial meeting and it's an hour long. Uh, I leave an extra 30 minutes afterward, just in case. And my goal in that initial meeting, uh, my expectation is one of the two, if it's a couple are going to cry. That is my goal. <laughs> and you're laughing, but that actually is my goal. And when it happens, um, I'm very happy at that moment because the reason why they're crying is not because of the idea of like, I've hit them in the face. Uh, it's because we've gone through this process and for the first time, one of them is expressing a deep wish that they have that for whatever limiting reason, either they didn't think their spouse would be supportive of it. They didn't think they could afford it. They didn't think it could fit within their overall plan, whatever it happens to be it's the first time that they've expressed it. And there's this emotional connection because I'm happy about that for a wide variety of reasons, but especially because it creates that emotional connection to the financial plan so that it's a very real tangible thing they can hold on to to say, this is not about the dollars. This is about the life, right? And being able to see that connection and feel that connection in the meeting. A hundred percent. I'm smiling and laughing because it, I mean, that's happened in my sessions as well. So it's like a smiling knowing where it's a kid. That's, that's the work. Yeah. I think money is something that still to this day, it's getting a bit better, I think, and more open to talk about, but people don't feel they have a safe space to talk about it. And like you said, even with their, their spouse or their partner. And so that's why I think this work whether on the coaching side, whether on the planning side is so powerful. So I appreciate you sharing that because mm-hmm. I love that that's a goal of yours. Like, okay, check. We got the cry box yeah. checked. There we go. Um, um, so yeah, that's, that's the processes. Um, I know financial advisors that just jump right into 
the paperwork. Hmm. And I know financial advisors that do three meetings on goals. Yeah. Three hour plus meetings just on exploring goals. Um, so there is no right or wrong. It's very, very unique to the needs of your client. Got it. Uh, two questions actually came in. Uh, Chi had asked, one of my clients calls me a life coach instead of a financial coach. Kind of, is that okay? Um, and so I, they're kind of, about it. <laughs> yeah, I think especially because both aren't regulated currently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's like, I remember when I started out, there was idea of like financial life coach felt more right. I eventually dropped it, but yeah, yeah if clients call you that, uh, I think it kind of is a testament to kind of the impact, the more global impact that you have. Um, making sure that you don't lose the financial side, of yeah. course. Um, but I don't see it as inappropriate. I get called all kinds of things by my clients. Not those kinds of things. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, clients will call me their uh, business consultant. They'll call me their um, marriage counselor. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, and not really joking. I've actually, I have a lot of clients that call me their business consultant or their entrepreneurship coach or whatever. Um, and I have a lot of clients who are married that call me their jokingly call me their marriage counselor. But cause a lot of people haven't talked to their therapist or their counselor about money. And so it's one of those where just having that outlet kind of puts you in that space. Um, yeah, there's a question. That just came up. Point out, I am not their marriage counselor. That would be illegal. (laughs) Yeah, can't call yourself that. That's for darn sure. Yeah. Uh, A question came up that's actually going to be for you to answer, Josh, around Mm -hmm. um, Stacia had said, I used to work for a financial firm and have my Series 7, 66, insurance licenses, and looking at doing my CFP. Would that still be beneficial if I've now left my corporate firm and started my own business? Getting the CFP or the, all the licenses. That's a good clarifying so I'll answer question. Both, yeah. Um, but if she, if she has a clarifying answer question to my question, um, we'll definitely jump into it. As far as the CFP goes, uh, I would say, yes, definitely getting your CFP would be helpful as you're starting your own business. Um, whether it's either of the two designations that we feel are really valuable uh, for financial coaches, either the AFC or the CFP, either of those is going to make you more trustworthy in the eyes of potential referral partners. And this doesn't mean that you're going to magically get a bunch of referral partners because you get an AFC or a CFP, but it does take down one of the barriers. Um, it is going to give you education that is much, much deeper than you're going to get through reading blogs, listening to podcasts, or other things along those lines. Um, The technical expertise that you're going to get is much, much greater in those two programs. Um, And it's going to help with your confidence and with your, um, the idea of your uh, imposter syndrome, Uh, especially the CFP, because half the people who study for two years to take that exam fail it. So if you pass it, you feel really good about the fact that at least 
I know something. <laughs> yeah. And she clarified, she did say specifically for the CFP, not the licenses. So, yeah. Yeah. So I would totally get the CFP. Um, I think that if you're committed to only doing financial coaching, so sticking with budgeting and debt and everything else, uh, the FC would be a great certification to go after. If you're thinking, well, maybe I want to become a financial advisor in the future, you may want to think about would it be better to get the AFC and then pursue the CFP afterward or just not the CFP out now? Realizing the CFP is going to be a lot more work. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't mean that everyone who wants to be a financial advisor in the future should definitely just get the CFP because it is a lot more upfront work. It's a bigger investment of time and money, uh, but especially of time. Um, you'll have to learn a heck of a lot more than you will have to in this in the AFC. And so it may be more appropriate to say, you know, what, I'm just going to get the AFC. And then when I get closer to making that decision, then pursue the CFP. And either of those paths would work well. Awesome. Uh, and thanks for that question, Stacia. Yes. Uh, in terms of time-wise, so just looking at what we got think we have time to tackle the how long should I make my program or should we leave that for another day? I'll tackle it in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, then we'll we leave can the get some tackle. votes. Yeah, we'll leave the longer tackle in, in uh, for another day. And the answer to how long should my program be is going to be the same answer that we answered at the very beginning of this, which is who are your clients? What are their specific needs? And the more specific you get, if you're struggling over, I'm not sure whether it's a two-month or a six-month program, that is likely due to the fact that you don't have a huge amount of clarity around the specific client that you actually want to serve. Because the more you have really, really strong clarity, the more that the length of the program kind of unfolds. Um, if, for example, you are going to serve people, not something that financial coaches necessarily should do, uh, this would not be illegal, but definitely a lot more complex than people realize. Uh, but if you're going to serve people by saying that you're going to help people who are making the social security claiming decision and help them figure out what is the ideal social security claiming age for them, right? Based on the rest of their, what their finances look like. Um, then if that's going to be your plan, well, how long does it take you to go through that process for figuring that out? And that might be two months. So therefore you should have a two month program. If you're going to be looking at helping them buy a house, something definitely totally within the wheelhouse of financial coaching. Well, look up, how long does it take soup to nuts beginning to end for a financial for a person to buy a house right from the time they start looking at houses to the time that they close in escrow and if the average length of time is 19.4 months you have a 19.4 month program that doesn't mean you're going to charge the same amount throughout all of it but that's the length of the program because that's how long it takes people to take on take through that journey even though Let's say a year of those months, you're not going to really do anything other than maybe sending them some information every once in a while because the real estate agent is going to be the primary person. Yeah. 
Go, I was going to say, and that's where um, knowing your ideal client is also helpful because, you know, there are more standardized um, programs and processes. So, right, there's the idea that um, a three-month program, four-month program, six-month program, like those mm -hmm. come up a lot in terms of an initial um, one that you can kind of plug and play from the beginning or at least start yeah. with. And I think for new coaches, that's a good place to start if you don't know who your ideal client is going to be and you want to help people around budgeting, debt, savings, and you want a broad template of what I yeah. can do and how I can help someone. Like That's a really great starting place. If you aren't quite sure of, yeah, I don't know if I want to help someone specifically buy a house. I haven't done it myself. I, I don't have these specifics yet. Um, it can be more templatized. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I would say, as you get clear on who you want to serve, the specific needs that they have, you can then get to what Josh is saying is creating your specific program or process or tailoring yeah. it to their specific needs and saying, you know, am I helping people buy a house who have no down payment and have no understanding of how, where the money is going and really feel in, you know, like they don't have any control of their finances? Well, then we'll probably need to put in these specific foundational fundamental learnings and I'm going to need to teach them how to fish in my program as well. And so, you know, we'll add that to the timeline of the process, or I even need to hit them before, you know, a couple of years before they're buying a house because they need to set this foundation in order to even apply, like be able to qualify. Yeah. Uh, so being able to, the more specific you can get in your ideal client uh, will also help as well from, do I need kind of this foundational program? And these foundational teachings are, you may already, you may work with DIYers who have most of this stuff down themselves, but really want specific coaching around the home buying process and relying on your expertise and just picking your brain on some of the more advanced financial coaching topics. Yeah. And I think that that, um, to highlight what, what something you just said with the idea of, we are a big fans, although we talk a lot about you need to have your own specific process. We're big fans of starting with those templated programs because it's, that's not where you want to end up, but it's a really good place to start. And so, uh, and in, in launch, you know, the whole point of that is figuring out your specific target market that you're looking to do and then building everything in your business around that specific target market so that everything really compels people who are in that group yeah. to come to you as opposed to anyone else. And when we get to the financial coaching part of like developing your coaching process, it's not a process of here is what we say you should do for your coaching process. Everything else is wrong. It's if you have nothing, then here's how you go about building it. But more importantly, if you've gone through Kelsa's program, if you've gone through Dave Ramsey's program, if you've gone through those other things, it's about taking those really good, valuable programs that Kelsa and Dave Ramsey and the other uh, people, Deborah Price and the other people have out there and figuring out how to make them your own, how to make them specific to your audience. And so when we say th th those templated programs, that's not a pejorative thing that we're talking about. And when we talk I went a lot through of many of those programs, 
<laughs> and when we're talking about the idea of uh, where you're going, you need to learn how to build it specific to your client. That's not to say that those templated programs are worthless and you're going to throw them out. It's about building on those to make them specific. Um, yeah. So just that idea is important because we do believe that starting with those can be very helpful. Yeah. I really appreciate that clarification because I can kind of forget that I, I've told that story many times in the coaching community that, yeah, I've taken Kelsey's program, Deborah's program, and kind of just like go through and forget. Um, and not everybody knows that like mm -hmm. that was really um, helpful and kind of foundational as getting started. I, I think I even took those a couple of years in and realized like, oh man, I totally recreated the wheel, you know, in what I had ended up <laughs> with, realized that it, it kind of matched a lot that was in um, at least some of the more for the practical programs, like three, four, six month program. Um, and so if I could have saved time starting with those off the bat, hell yeah, do that, start yeah. there. And now as I'm going through launch myself and really realizing, okay, who I want to work with, I'm now getting much more specific. I'm realizing, oh, like uh, this is going to be a much longer term engagement with activity up front, kind of a lull. And I'm realizing mm -hmm. that I'm really tailoring my coaching process for that ideal client. It's like, it, it is really helpful having that framework of this initial programmer process, because that's going to be one piece as part of a right. much larger now process. And so it still is incredibly helpful. Um, and thank you for saying it's not a pejorative, uh, yeah. because it yeah. is really important um, that there is room for everyone. And I think especially since we do different things, Financial Coaches Network and FCN does different than Deborah's program, does different than Kelsey's program. So um, thanks for hitting on that point. I love that, by the way, Chi had pointed out, he's like, the more I listen to you guys, the more I know I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, this is this is life. Yeah. And and for yeah. me too, the more I talk with Josh, I'm like, wow, there's a lot that I don't know. And I'm sure Josh talks to someone who has him feel like he doesn't know certain things. Uh Quite a few people, usually the lawyers, the CPAs, and the other referral partners that I have that are like ridiculously deep in the areas that they go into. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. That makes you feel yeah. a little bit better. Yep. There, there's, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that this is still, you know, we did kind of high level on this one. And so I do think this would be a good question to revisit more in depth um, on a future live. And if that's something that any of you want to hear, us dive more in depth on, such as you know, what should the length of your program be, or how can you think of tailoring your program um, for your ideal client and what that looks like? Give us like thumbs up in the comments or say, yes, that would be really interesting. Just so that we know and have some feedback for those watching that that's something that you're interested in. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts, Josh, or anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure that we touch on? Uh, just that number one, you don't have to do what other people do. And I hope that we made that abundantly clear, but I do want to reiterate that. And number two, that you don't have to have it perfect before you take on your first client. You just have to have it planned out because your first client 
has not gone through 50 financial coaching programs, is not going to be judging, oh, well, Garrett did this and the other 20 people that I went through this coaching program with did that. So Garrett's obviously doing it wrong, right? Yeah. Um, so as long as you have it planned out, as long as you have, you're not just flying by the seat of your pants, <laughs> even yeah. if the plan is not ultimately the right one, it's not perfect. It's not what you ultimately end up with. Your initial clients are not going to know. So don't place that pressure on yourself either. So. And you mentioned this in last week's live, which is to be upfront with your first clients, mm -hmm. to not hide the fact that they are some of the first people that you're working with because uh, they'll figure it out anyway and yeah. be transparent. And that yeah. can help take off the insecurity that you feel as you're working with those first clients. It then, it, they know um, where things stand and you can ask them for feedback and support in helping to develop your process. Um, so just, yeah, to hit on that point, because we talked about it last week, but I don't think we hit on it this week, which is yeah. just be honest with those first clients and let them know uh, if you're figuring it out, that you're figuring it out and make sure that they agree to being a part of that. Um, and then that can also take out a lot of the fear and insecurity um, that comes with being new at this or being new at anything. Yeah. And by the way, people say, well, I don't want to do that because it might hurt me. But realize that from the coaching process standpoint, if you had screw up in your first meeting and you haven't told the client that, then that is a reflection on your professionalism, which is really bad. If you screw up in your first meeting and you have told the, your client, hey, you're the first person or the second person I've done this with, still working it out, would love to get feedback from you and on anything that doesn't work because I want to make this better for you. When you screw up, then they're like, oh, great. This is my chance to help them. They're actually happy that you screwed up. <laughs> Yeah, because they have something to add. Yeah. And so there's a lot of advantage to being honest. That's a really good point. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall there if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.